Section One of the Life of Mozart, Volume One, by Otto Jahn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Noel Badrian. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn, Section One, Introductions, Part One. To Professor Gustav Hartenstein My dear friend, I have little doubt that the afternoon of November the 7th, 1847, is as fresh in your memory as in my own. We had assembled in the Johanneskirche to accompany the remains of Mendelssohn on their last sad journey, and by chance, for I had not been long in Leipzig, and my acquaintance with you was slight, we walked side by side in the long line of mourners. From grief at the early loss of a master, whose cultivation, self-discipline, and endeavours after the good and the beautiful had exercised a truly beneficial influence over the art of our age, our grave talk turned to the more particular consideration of music in itself, and to the great masters of the past. This led us to the interchange of many ideas, and to a conviction of our unanimity of principle and sentiment on most subjects. Thus, for instance, we coincided in our experience that at a certain period of our mental development, Mozart's music had seemed cold and unintelligible to our restless spirits, ever soaring into the unknown, and incapable of appreciating a master whose passions in their workings are not laid bare to view, but who offers us perfect beauty victorious over turbulence and impurity. Turning to him again in later years, we are amazed alike at the wondrous wealth of his art, and at our former insensibility to it. For my own part, I confided to you how, after severe illness, which had debarred me from music for many years, it was Mozart who first gave me courage and interest to turn to it again. We agreed also that minds who are able to receive and appreciate art for its own sake must yield themselves captive to Mozart, but without sacrificing their freedom to recognize all that is grand and beautiful elsewhere. This conversation was the beginning of a more constant intercourse, leading to a friendship founded on such close agreement of principle in all matters of importance as to render it indissoluble. I have ever since, in joy or sorrow, been assured of your hearty sympathy and support. I should be perfectly justified in offering you this book as a testimony of my love and gratitude, even if its contents concerned you less. But music has ever played so important a part in our intercourse, whether I sat beside you at the piano, or stood behind your chair, or we wandered into talk. So great a share in the book belongs to you, who have ever urged me forward with the work, sometimes, I may acknowledge it now, even unmercifully, that I can offer it in its completed form to none with more pleasure and confidence than to yourself. And now you must give me leave to lay before you much that is on my mind concerning it. Let me imagine that I have come as of old, to you and your wife for comfort and encouragement, and prepare for a long talk. 
you're aware my dear friend how this biography originated and how it has gradually increased to an extent which has alarmed even myself occupied at first only with the biography of beethoven i soon saw that it would be impossible to do full justice to his great and original creations without a clear survey of the life and works of mozart the pioneer of the musical future as whose natural heir beethoven attained his pre-eminent position in the history of music the exposition would have been too comprehensive for an introduction and i determined to arrange the ill-digested and unreadable mass of biographical material which nissen had collected into a readable treatise on the life of mozart to serve as a foundation for the observations which i meant to deduce therefrom with this end in view i gradually amassed so large a store of materials for the story of his life and the appreciation of his works that there rose before me the duty of erecting a new structure upon a new foundation but before i proceed to specify the source whence i have drawn my materials allow me to glance over all the biographies of mozart hitherto published so far as they are known to me soon after mozart's death there appeared a biographical article upon him in schlichtergroll's necrologue for seventeen ninety one this is precise and trustworthy so far as it relates to the period of his childhood and rests on the testimony of his sister but the notices of his later years are superficial and the judgment passed upon him as a man rests upon a preconceived and unfavourable opinion which then prevailed in vienna partly on professional grounds and which took such deep root that even at the present day i know not if i shall succeed in establishing the truth it was not surprising that mozart's widow in order to stop the circulation of such injurious representations should buy up an impression of this article which appeared under the title of mozart's life joseph george hubeck graz seventeen ninety four a biography which appeared the same year in sonleithner's vienna theatre almanach page ninety four is only an abridgment of the article in the necrologue and a french translation was made by bayle under the nom de plume of bombay and stendhal as lettre sur Aydin, suivi d'une vie de mozart paris eighteen fourteen an english translation of the article appeared in london eighteen seventeen and a revised french version in paris eighteen seventeen a life of the imperial kapellmeister wolfgang gottlieb mozart compiled from original sources by franz niemetschek prague seventeen ninety eight is founded partly on communications by the family especially the widow partly on personal acquaintance with mozart i have made use of the second edition of this work eighteen o eight unfortunately it does not enter into details so much as might be wished particularly in its later portions but all that this excellent well-informed and devoted friend records of mozart is trustworthy and accurate something more was to be expected from friedrich rochlitz who busied himself for a considerable time in writing a biography of mozart 
he had become acquainted with him during his stay in leipzig in seventeen eighty nine and moving much in musical circles with dollis and hiller he was so charmed with the genius and amiability of the master that he even then carefully noted whatever appeared remarkable in their interviews when he afterwards proposed to prepare a life of mozart both the widow and the sister supplied him with anecdotes and traits of character and the widow further as i gather from their letters allowed him to make use of mozart's correspondence some of the anecdotes and particulars supplied by the widow and sister or resulting from his own observations were published in the allgemeine musicalische zeitung amz volume one pages seventeen forty nine eighty one one hundred and thirteen one hundred and forty five one hundred and seventy seven four hundred and eighty volume two pages four hundred and fifty four hundred and ninety three five hundred and ninety and rochlitz often alluded in later issues to his acquaintance with mozart but there it remained and i have failed to discover why he abandoned his idea of a biography when nissen's biography appeared he complained that he had not been called into counsel by mosel and was of opinion that the widow must have changed very much in her old age if she was not proved to have acted shabbily in this affair vienna a m z eighteen forty eight page two hundred and nine i set on foot investigations as to whether rochlitz had left behind any records or communications which springing from now exhausted sources might be of service to me in my work this led to a discovery which painful as it is to me to cast a slur on the memory of an otherwise deserving man i must yet in the interests of truth reveal i could not fail to observe that those particulars of mozart's life which rochlitz gives as the result of his own observation or as narrated to him by mozart are peculiar to himself in form and colouring and that many of the circumstances which he relates with absolute certainty are manifestly untrue i sought to account for these facts as slips of memory or the result of that kind of self-deception which confounds a logical inference with a fact springing from it but my search led to the further discovery of a parallel also printed in the amz between mozart and raphael giving a detailed account of the circumstances of mozart's marriage and with express reference to mozart's own narrative of the affair which rochlitz was supposed to have written down the same night now for the period which is here treated of that is between seventeen eighty and seventeen eighty three mozart's entire correspondence is preserved and any error upon essential points is as you will readily grant impossible all the statements of rochlitz as to time place persons and events are completely false you will remember my consternation at this unwelcome discovery no poetical license could account for it unpleasant as it is i consider it my duty to expose the affair partly that it may teach caution and partly that tedious and vexatious discussion may be avoided should the narrative in question ever be printed 
these anecdotes from the amz together with the information of schlichtergrohl and niemetschek have formed the chief material for the more or less complete account of mozart which afterwards appeared what was added consisted partly of anecdotes generally badly authenticated and often ill-turned such as gain currency among artists and partly of phrases or turns of speech which as zelter says everyone makes for himself i must not spare you the enumeration of some of the works of this class kramer's anecdotes sur mozart paris 1801 is a mere translation of the anecdotes some of them together with a general account are also given by j b a swad anecdotes sur mozart in his melange de literature paris 1804 volume 2 page 337 as well as by guattani in the memoir encyclopedische roman rome 1806 volume 1 pages 107 and 134 a work of more pretension is mozart's geister sein kurse biographie und atelitsche darstellung seiner werk ein bildungsbusch für junge tonskustler erfurt 1803 zelter asked goethe to tell him who was the author of this short biography half dedicated to goethe which was neither short nor aesthetic nor a good likeness of the man and was not a little surprised to learn that goethe knew nothing either of the work or its author correspondence volume one pages fifty six sixty seven and sixty five it was however by j e f arnold of erfurt whose subsequent publication mozart und haydn versus eine parallele erfurt eighteen ten was scarcely calculated to draw a more favourable expression of opinion from zelter of no greater intrinsic value are hormeyer's statements in the austrian plutarch volume seven two fifteen vienna eighteen o seven or lichtenthal's Cheni biografici intorno el celebre maestro wolfgango amadeo mozart milan eighteen sixteen i have not been able to procure the elogio storicio di mozart del conte schizzi cremona eighteen seventeen the articles in gerber's tonkunstelexicon are carefully compiled but not complete and mozart's biography by j a schlosser prague eighteen twenty eight third edition eighteen forty four is a compilation altogether wanting in judgment an unsuspected wealth of fresh resources was brought to light by the biographie w a mozarts by g n van nissen leipzig eighteen twenty eight with an appendix in order to estimate this book justly and to make a right use of it it is necessary to ascertain how and whence it proceeded a task of considerably more difficulty than merely mocking and railing at it nissen who came to vienna after mozart's death as a danish diplomatist became acquainted with his widow and interested himself in her unprotected condition 
he had a great turn for business matters and was fond of arranging papers writing letters and even copying without understanding what it was that he was occupied about he therefore willingly undertook to put mozart's effects in order to assist the widow in all her business arrangements and to carry on her correspondence a long series of letters which he wrote in her name show him to have been a well-meaning sensible man somewhat over circumstantial in his style of writing after his marriage with mozart's widow he felt it his duty to labour with the same conscientious care for his memory as he had formerly done for his property and he employed the leisure of his remaining years which were spent at salzburg in carrying out this design we ought to own ourselves deeply indebted to him for without his care the most important documents and traditions would have been hopelessly lost mozart's sister was then living at salzburg her recollections and those of his wife afforded an abundance of characteristic traits and the carefully preserved papers and family correspondence were a rich mine of authentic documents besides a number of separate deeds letters and memoranda he had at his disposal leopold mozart's letters to hagenauer during the journey to vienna september seventeen sixty two to january seventeen sixty three during the great journey from june seventeen sixty three to november seventeen sixty six during the vienna journey september seventeen sixty seven to december seventeen sixty eight letters both of the father and son to their family during the italian journey december seventeen sixty nine to march seventeen seventy one from august thirteenth seventeen seventy one to december seventeen seventy one from october seventeen seventy two to march seventeen seventy three from vienna july seventeen seventy three to september seventeen seventy three from munich december seventeen seventy four to march seventeen seventy five wolfgang's and his mother's letters home together with the answers of leopold and his daughter during the journey to paris september seventeen seventy seven to january seventeen seventy nine wolfgang's correspondence with his father and sister during his journey to munich and residence in vienna wolfgang's letters come down to seventeen eighty four his father's to 1781. Nissen possessed both the industry and the goodwill to turn these treasures to account. Unhappily, these qualities do not suffice for such an undertaking, not to mention that he has no idea of adaptation or of description. He had neither taste nor cultivation in music, nor tact to distinguish what was trivial from what was important nor was he capable of accurately conveying an idea having had at my service a portion of the documents made use of by him i have been able to check him and to form an idea of his mode of proceeding he is never dishonest never alters with intent to deceive but he deals with his documents in the most summary manner possible he seldom gives them entire but only so much of them as he considers of interest unfortunately he is no judge either of what is musically important nor psychologically interesting and thus his selection is often singularly unhappy 
he was influenced too by consideration for distinguished living personages and by the prejudices of his wife who naturally wished many family circumstances to remain untouched his sins however are always those of omission but silence by obscuring the connections of events and by concealing the motives of actions may be as prejudicial as actual misstatements to historical accuracy and the sufferer by too tender a consideration for the feelings of others is invariably the person whose character it is attempted to depict fortunately for the most important years of mozart's life from seventeen seventy seven onwards i have been able myself to make use of the family correspondence you will see what a different conception i have thereby been enabled to form of this period it is of less importance but nevertheless a drawback that nissen has thought good to alter the details of style and expression of many of the letters neither father nor son were in need of such emendations both writing clearly and shrewdly and with an individuality all their own but even were this not the case and nissen the man which he was not to correct their defects such an effacement of individual character would remain altogether inexcusable had nissen confined himself to the publication of the letters and extracts together with such information as he could gather from mozart's wife and sister or from other credible witnesses he would have done posterity important service but in attempting more than this he verified the saying of hesiod that the whole is less than the part many manuscripts newspapers journals etc treating of mozart's professional doings had been preserved among the family archives not content with these nissen has taken incredible pains to collect whatever else had been written concerning mozart he has then copied out all that appeared to him important and has arranged these extracts categorically as seemed to him good putting together for instance all that related to one particular work finally he has huddled together these heterogeneous fragments without design connection or explanation if this confused and ill-proportioned mass is to be made use of at all it must be separated into its component parts and these must be restored to their proper place and connection it may fairly be taken for granted that where any idea or judgment is expressed nissen is not speaking in his own person he has however simplified the task of restoring each fragment to its proper position by a catalogue of the writings in which mozart is mentioned and although some documents made use of by him have since disappeared i have been able in almost every case to discover his authorities in most cases these are of little value but among much that is worthless there are here and there communications resting on family traditions which nissen has tacitly appropriated with but slight alterations it is undoubtedly desirable to be able to appeal to the original in such cases but for the most part they speak for themselves and are seldom of importance the statements i have made were necessary for the proper use of nissen's work but you must not therefore imagine that i am unjust towards him 
true the mass of printed matter is enough to drive one to absolute despair but when it is remembered that a large proportion of the documents he embodies have since disappeared we must be grateful to the man who has enabled us to take so comprehensive a glance into an artist's life and who has laboured with unselfish reverence for mozart's memory while a succeeding generation did not think it worth while even to preserve the documents which nissen made use of it must not be lost sight of either that nissen did not see his work through the press he died on march twenty fourth eighteen twenty six before it was put in hand and it is quite possible that he would have improved it in many ways upon final revision it is significant that although all were agreed that nissen's book was unreadable without alteration and adaptation no writer in germany undertook the task and that it was left to foreigners to turn the treasure to account fetis undertook it in his biographie universelle des musiciens volume four page four hundred and thirty two brussels eighteen forty volume six page two hundred and twenty two second edition brussels eighteen sixty four so far as it could be done within the narrow limits of a general work of the kind but the obvious task of compiling an interesting and readable biography by means of an orderly arrangement of the really interesting portion of nissen's materials was first undertaken by edward holmes in his life of mozart including his correspondence london 1845 holmes has arranged the essential portions of the correspondence with intelligence and discrimination and has connected them by a narrative built upon previous notices he has thus produced a trustworthy and as far as was possible an exhaustive account of mozart's life holmes has moreover made use of andre's published catalogue of mozart's works and the indications there given of their date of appearance he undertook a journey through germany to inspect the original manuscripts in andre's possession and to collect stray oral traditions he took care to make himself acquainted with musical literature and the result is a work which must be considered as the most trustworthy and serviceable biography that could be produced by a skilful employment of the materials generally accessible holmes has not attempted to draw from hitherto unknown sources he neither carries his research to any depth nor offers any original opinions or explanations the letters of both mozart's father and son were edited by j groschler in a spirit which is indicated clearly enough by the title of his book mozart vie d'un artiste chrétien au dix-huitième siècle paris eighteen fifty seven alexander ulibichev proceeded from quite another point of view in his work nouvelle biographie de mozart suivi d'un aperçu sur l'histoire générale de la musique et de l'analyse de principale oeuvre de mozart moscow eighteen forty three in three parts which is generally known in germany in the translation of a schreischon stuttgart eighteen forty seven and of l gant stuttgart eighteen fifty nine the enthusiastic reverence of the author for mozart speaks from every page and involved many years of study and many real sacrifices 
but this must not blind our judgment as to the intrinsic value of his work i do not fear your reproaching me in the words of the old proverb about the kettle reproving the pot if i express myself freely as to what i consider the weak points of this book Ulibyshev's main object has been a critical and aesthetic analysis of Mozart's later works, on which his fame mainly rests, and which bear the most perfect impress of his genius. The author's observations, therefore, are confined to a definite portion of Mozart's compositions, the best known because the greatest, and any idea of extending them does not seem to have occurred to him. Anything further in his works is meant to serve only as a foundation for those observations. He does not fail to perceive that the greatness of perfected genius can only be apprehended by a knowledge of the gradual stages of its achievement, and that, since Mozart takes his place in the history of music by something more than mere chance, the whole process of musical development is necessarily incorporated in his progress. Olibichev is content to extract all that seems to point to his conclusions from Nissen's account of Mozart's development. He makes up for his reticence in this direction by expiating freely on the general history of the art. In fact, his review of the whole history of music results only in the observation that since any exceptional phenomenon is the sum and crown of all that has gone before, therefore the development of modern music in every direction, from Guido of Arezzo onward, has its raison d'etre in the production of Mozart, who is to be considered as its perfect expression. No one knows better than yourself, my friend, the false conclusions to which this exaggeration of an idea, true and suggestive in itself, has led. The partiality of enthusiasm and dilettantism join issue here. It needs no great penetration to discover that Ulibichev's epitome to the history of music is not the result of impartial research, or of a practical knowledge of even the more important works of past ages, but that it is compiled from a very few easily recognized works with the express object of demonstrating that all that has gone before has its end and consummation in Mozart. An author who can seriously maintain that the great masters of counterpoint Palestrina, Bach and Handel were only called into being in order that the requiem might be produced, an author who can only grasp and develop the idea of natural progress up to a certain point and no further, that author has surely mastered neither the idea of progress, nor the nature of the art, nor the work of the master whom he seeks to honour. Such a partial and exclusive appreciation of any artist may satisfy individual taste for which it is proverbially impossible to account but scientific investigation which can always be accounted for seeing that it proceeds from a rational basis rejects it at once and altogether you will i know agree with me that the critic who like ulibichev depreciates beethoven in order to maintain mozart on his pedestal does not understand mozart the distortion and exaggeration of such an idea leads further to the neglect of those clues to a right understanding of Mozart's development, which exist in the circumstances of his life, in his youthful works, and in the conditions of his age and surroundings. 
these had all direct effect upon his genius and in so far as they are disregarded our conception of the man and the artist will be defective end of section one introductions part one